I think people now don't just want to do it as marketing makeup. It is definitely now seen as this is something we really want to be. We want to change. And people now expect this. I think there's never been a better time, I think, for a business to innovate and to try new things. I mean, nobody knows how to do anything right now. (laughs) You know, go for it. Create a customer journey that just blows people away. Why not? Is your current success putting a lot of demands on you? If you're good at what you do, and you are, then everyone wants you. But that's no way to scale. If you're delivering spectacular results, you should be commanding higher fees, working with only the best clients. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast, where world-class agency owners and consultants learn how to fully monetize their expertise and scale profits by doing less. Here's your host, Mandy Ellison. Hello, this is Mandy Ellison, host of the Hands Off CEO Podcast. Today I have on our podcast, John Jantz. He is the author of the Duct Tape Marketing, Referral Engine, Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, the Ultimate Marketing Engine, and he's also the founder of Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network, which trains and licenses independent consultants and agencies to use the duct tape methodology. Really, John is such a great guy, and I have been learning from him for a number of years now, and it's been really fun to watch his growth and transitioning through this industry and to see his ideas morph and continue to evolve. So really excited to have you on the show here today, John. Well, thanks, Mandy. And I'm noticing one of my books in your uh, background view there. So, you know, warms my heart. Oh, yes. I think I have at least one of your books behind me. (laughs) I think one of them is signed. In fact, I shared this story. You might remember when I came to speak to your duct tape marketing Mm -hmm. consultants a couple of years ago, I brought the original book that has been across the country several times now, because I've moved around a little bit. And it was actually the first marketing book that I ever read. (laughs) And it was for when I had a web design and branding company, and I really wanted to get into marketing. And that was something that I wanted to learn about. And I read your book and it really inspired me to move on this path. So I was just going to say, you know, that, I mean, any author loves to hear stories of people actually took the book and it meant something to them and it gave some impact. So that's why we write these things. Yeah. So books are so impactful. So I know you have a new book. What is your new book called? It's called The Ultimate Marketing Engine, Five Steps to Ridiculously Consistent Growth. Sounds like a marketer wrote that uh, title. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a couple books that have used the engine theme. So, you know, I find that 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 that's something that kind of continuation of series of ideas, but also I want to write a book that's ultimately going to be primarily a strategy book. I think that right now we're in a time when strategies never been more important and never been more misunderstood. I think obviously we've all gone through kind of a funky period these last 18 months. And I think everybody's relearning things, relearning what's possible. I think obviously innovation happened really, really quickly. And so now more people are open to change and new ideas. And so uh, I think this is a time that everybody should be rethinking everything about their marketing, but certainly their strategy. Mm. So you were saying that this strategy is very much misunderstood. Say more about that. Well, I, I mean, Google the term marketing strategy and the first 10 posts will be a list of 15 tactics. Uh, that's really 
the key. It's like, oh, a marketing strategy is get on Facebook or a marketing strategy is do videos on TikTok. Well, no, those are tactics. A marketing strategy really is understanding who is your ideal customer, narrowing your focus to your ideal customer, understanding and, and communicating the problem that you really solve for that ideal customer, and then using those elements to then use content as the voice of that strategy and to understand that you know, with all the changes that we talk about in marketing, the thing that's changed the most is the way that people have choose today to become customers. And so understanding and guiding that customer journey has to be a significant part of your marketing strategy before you ever start planning out what your homepage should look like. Mm, I completely agree with you on that. So you're saying that buyers' patterns have really changed and how they go and consume content before they go and make a purchase. So how do we meet morph and change with the changes in the market and buying habits? So I think people need to understand, you know, things that marketers have done, like the marketing funnel, you know, that's a well-worn concept of, you know, you got to get some people up there to know about you and drive some small percentage of them through that to become buyers or customers. And while that's not completely wrong, I just think it's very, very limited. I mean, for a lot of people, that's where marketing stops. And a concept that I've been talking about for more than a decade and certainly shows up in this book is something I call the marketing hourglass. Now that metaphor borrows from the funnel. In other words, you know, it's got that shape at the top that looks like a funnel if you think about a typical hourglass. But then we also flip the funnel over and once somebody becomes a customer, I think that's where your marketing needs to expand. In fact, I think that's the greatest opportunity for you to create consistent growth is after somebody becomes a customer through a better customer experience, through retention practices, through ways to find how to grow with those customers. Obviously, referrals, one of the greatest sources of lead generation for any business is a happy customer. So it really is a complete end to end journey. And we have seven stages in our marketing hourglass. They are know, like, trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. And I think of those as behaviors that people want to participate in with the companies they do business with. So much of the language of marketing and funnels and acquisition and demand creation are all about what we want the customer to do so that that we can drive them to become customers. And this idea of know, like, trust, try, buy, repeat, refer is more about the behaviors they want to do. As buyers, we want to know about people who can solve our problems, obviously. Once we find somebody who can solve a problem, we're going to start checking them out. We want to like what their message is. We want to like the experience of going to their website, the, kind of all that snap decision stuff that we're going to make. Once we then say, okay, I think maybe I should talk to these folks. We're going to figure out who else likes them. <laughs> who else have they helped? You know, Are there indications that they truly are an authority or that they're experienced? We're going to try to develop that level of trust before probably we're even going to fill out a form or maybe even download you know, a free white paper or a free checklist or something. We're going to want to develop a level of trust. And then as buyers, I don't know about you, Mandy, but I love it when I can try what it might be like to work with somebody and that's not just the 30-day free software trial. You know, we pick up the phone and call somebody. We may not be saying to ourselves, I think I'm going to try out how they answer the phone, but we sure as heck are trying them at that point. And that's the same of filling a form out, doing a free coaching session, doing a free evaluation. Those are all ways that we want to try businesses. And then, of course, once we say yes and we have buyer's remorse you know, fully set in, you know, we want that experience to stay high. We want the communication to stay hot. We, frankly, we want the transaction to be very smooth. 
We want onboarding. We want orientation. We want further education about you know how to get the most out of or what to expect next. And so these are all things that I think as marketers, we have to be focusing on what would create a better experience in each of these stages. What are the questions that they might have? What are the objections or objectives, I should say, that they might have at each of these stages? And then, of course, a couple of my favorites are really repeat and refer. Do we have a retention strategy? If I find somebody who meets my needs and I need that product or service again, I don't go looking. <laughs> I'm thrilled that I have the convenience of being able to go back to somebody that I trust. So what are we doing to make sure that we cement that relationship? And then finally, somewhere in the neighborhood of 80% of small businesses admit that the majority of their new business comes by way of referral, and yet none of them do anything about it. <laughs> you know, There's no real mm. practice to intentionally generate referrals, to develop a referral network, to develop a strategic partner network. And so this framework of the marketing hourglass becomes a tool for us to look at how does the buyer want to go through this journey? How can we make sure that we are focused on all the stages and create exceptional experiences at each one of those stages. Oh, I love that. And one of the things that I heard is what to expect next. Yeah. Now that goes all the way through the buying process, but the place where I see the ball dropped a lot is through the service delivery part of it. And I think people don't recognize that you need to actually be selling all the way through your entire process. And what that looks like is selling your team members, for example, like positioning them as experts. So they're not always asking for you and, you know, selling them on, why are you doing this work here? Because it's going to generate this outcome and really pulling them through each one of these steps that you just talked about here. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question about that. And I think that one of the things that this framework does is a lot of companies have marketing functions and sales functions and customer success or customer service functions, but they still tend to look at them as sort of siloed affairs. It's like marketing does this, sales does this, service does this. Well, this framework at least asks them to look at the integrated whole and how these things map together. And, you know, a lot of times when I've done, internally done a workshop with an organization that has a sales leader, marketing leader, service leader, just getting them to talk about this language in the same way is sort of mind-blowing sometimes because where companies usually fail is at the handoffs. It's so when marketing hands off a lead to sales, sales hands off a client to customer service, that's where the ball gets dropped in those transactions because the handoffs just haven't been thought out that well. And so a lot of this thinking of this complete hourglass that overlays over the entire business really helps them think about the smooth handoff, the frictionless handoff, the exceptional handoff. I love that. I think that alone right there, that is a really interesting distinction that is left out a lot of a lot of marketing books, sales books, operations books here. You're like, you're saying they're siloed. And when you can look at the big picture of it, that's really where it all fits together. Don't tell the sales and service people this, but it's all marketing. It's totally all marketing. It's all marketing. (laughs) Well, it really is. Here's the thing too, is that A lot of people come to work with hands-off CEO because they're looking at, well, you know what? We're at capacity. We can't scale anymore. So here's the thing is all those operational problems is all in how that they marketed and sold the product. When you sell the service a certain way, they're going to expect the CEO to do it. If you sell it a different way, it's all about, like you're saying, it's all marketing. 
And that's really, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, why do we have all these phases of no like and trust? You know, I just want to like get somebody to know about me and then hire me or buy from me. And just what you talked about, that's how you attract clients that aren't a good fit because you haven't educated them. You haven't demonstrated your value. You haven't demonstrated why you charge a premium for what it is that you do. And so you get that client that's not a great fit. So a lot of these stages in the early stages of the hourglass are really actually about teaching people what an ideal client is. And, you know, in some cases, what it's not. And, and that, you know, is really important when you get to the point of, yes, I want to buy. Well, and like you're saying, you can definitely sell the, the no, yeah. like, and trust like earlier than that, but they're not ideal clients. And the reason why is they're looking for a commodity yeah. and they're price shopping. The more that you're educating them, the more they're willing to pay. And sometimes that means a lot of people will argue this point with me, but sometimes that means creating your own intentional friction. So when that person calls and says, oh, I heard you do marketing. I need marketing. Come on down and tell me what you do. You then say, well, you know what we have found <laughs> is that we can get a lot more uh, value. I can deliver a lot more value in our time together if you will take the time to fill out this form something goofy like that. And if they won't fill out the form, they're probably not going to ever be a good client. <laughs> Obviously, totally. you need that information, but that demonstrates their willingness to collaborate, to uh, communicate, to share, to take some accountability. And for the, most of the clients that you and I both work with, those are attributes that pretty much have to be in existence. You can't train them six months later <laughs> to do those things. And so you really got to find mm -hmm. those things out before they even become a customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then also, I mean, you don't want to be on the phone with on sales calls with someone who is they're ne never going to buy anyway. That's right. And you're filling up your calendar with that instead of actually focusing on doing the work that you're laying out here about the different seven stages through this yeah. hourglass. And sometimes you're building a business, you get what you get, right? I mean, you're hustling to get business and you get what you get. But at some point you have to take a look and say, who are my ideal customers? Who has the right behavior? Who has the right match? Who do we deliver the most value to? And you have to start making some determinations about what your path forward is. I mean, one of the steps in this book is to narrow your focus to the top 20% of your ideal clients today. And that's a scary step for some people to think about because it's like, hey, they, they said they'd pay me. Uh, I kind of do what they need. How hard could it be? But that we find that we then attract clients that maybe are even become detractors, let alone not being very profitable because they suck all your time and energy away, but they also, you're not delivering that much value. So they become detractors. So, and I know that you've done this over the years too, Mandy, that if we can figure out who those top 20% are and really focus on them, some percentage of them would do 10 times more business with us. And some even smaller percentage would do 100 times more business with us if we really focused on serving them like nobody else thought of and discovering what else it is that they need. That's where this idea of consistent growth comes from is that one of the best ways to scale any business is to scale with your customers rather than just thinking about going out and finding more. Mm, I love that. And you know, another factor of this too is that if you're serving a market where you're not generating very good results, what ends up happening is it, it really erodes at your confidence. You show up for the sales calls with the higher level prospects, you're not able to close them because you're not very confident you can do very good work for them. So it's like yeah. this downward spiral. Yeah. Yeah. There's another factor I like to ask people, invite people to consider too. Because a lot of times we think about, oh, an ideal client's got these characteristics and these challenges and this opportunity. But 
you know, I've learned over the years, an ideal client also is one that I know I can deliver a lot of value to. And in some cases, quickly. I mean, because they've got the right situation, they've got the right problem, they've got the right approach to how they want to solve the problem. And what happens in those instances is that they become very happy, (laughs) very fast. We get them results. And so they're looking at, gosh, what I paid, the value I'm getting based on what I paid, you know, is immense. And to your point about confidence, then that makes it also easy for you to go out to somebody and say, I know we can get this result for you because you've got the right problem, the right characteristics, the right approach. And that's probably secret number one to raising your prices to where they should be. Oh. Music's my ears. Exactly. <laughs> I love this. You and I are definitely on the same wavelength on this one. Yeah. Being able to just to be able to sit in that confidence and saying, I know we can generate these results that confidence, you'll transfer that over to your prospects. Your prospects, not only are they willing to do business with you, but they're willing to pay a lot more. Yeah. And there's this, this, not to get into the psychology of sales, but when you know you can do that and they're saying, oh, I don't know if it's worth that. Okay. Next. <laughs> you know, yes. and, and all of a sudden that makes you really attractive because they're like, okay, wait a minute, maybe I'm missing out on something. Exactly. Exactly. So I know in your book, you have a concept around clients as members. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, so this is sort of a long buildup to this, but I signed the contract for this book on March 15th of 2020. I'll give people about two seconds to think back to what they were doing March 15th, 2020. Most of us were trying to figure out, is the sky going to fall? And I had clients like everybody that I was reaching out to, like, what do we need to do? Uh, How do we need to react? to this. You know, I was not going to write a book about what to do, how to market in a time of COVID because nobody's ever going to want to read that book. But something (laughs) happened that I saw with my clients that very much informed a key idea of this book. One particular client, it was a Sunday night, sent me a long, long text. And it was basically the content of an email he was getting ready to send to his 50 employees. And dozens and dozens of clients. And it basically saying, Monday morning, don't come into work. We're going to stop work on your projects. You know, we're putting a halt to everything. We think this is the right thing to do. Scary email for anybody to send out. Obviously, millions of businesses were dealing with this, you know, all over the globe at the same time. But I was on the response chain to most of these emails that came back. And I was just struck by how many came back and said, you're doing the right thing. We're behind you 100%. What do we need to do? We're not leaving. (laughs) You know, how can we support you? I mean, it was almost like they were like, we're going to lift you up. You know, this has always been true, but just shown such a bright light on this idea that in, you know, in good times, a lot of businesses just thrive because they're in the right place at the right time. But in tough times, businesses that thrive and survive in tough times are ones that are meaningful in the lives of their customers. And that idea, you know, really became kind of the genesis or the spark of this idea as customers as members. What if we began to think of our customers more like members? And I don't mean like a membership subscription Costco you know, model. I mean, those are all decent business models, but I'm talking about more about a point of view about what if we saw the relationship with, we had as our customers more about them joining you know, our organizations, more about us getting them a transformation over just the transaction, kind of thinking in terms of, taking them from where they are when they become a customer to where they want to go, that that becomes the real goal of the work that we do, as opposed to, hey, here's our deliverable, you know, here's what we agreed to, next. So 
as I started wrestling with this idea, it occurred to me that over the years, I have a marketing business, marketing consulting business. I want to keep my customers for life. If you're going to do that in marketing, <laughs> you obviously have a lot of things you can fix early on, but then how are you going to mature with them? As they grow, how are you going to grow with them? How are you going to give them more of what they need? And so I didn't call it this, but we have, at the time anyway, I, we have been working on something I call a customer success track for many years. And it ultimately is our tool that allows us to look at a customer or a prospect and say, okay, here's the stage they're at in their business. We know that because we can recognize the characteristics of a business in that stage. And we also know that that stage comes with these set challenges. But lastly, we also know that if we can help, help them address those challenges and move them to the next stage, we know the promise of what that's going to bring to their business. Now, we happen to have five stages in our customer success track. And we're able to just about take anybody who comes to our business at a certain stage and know exactly how we're going to move them to the next stage. Because these tracks all include milestones. And these milestones are either a yes or no. Does the website load on a mobile device, effectively on a mobile device? Yes or no. If the answer is no, we know what to do next. And so Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, this was our practical approach to being able to document and systemize and ultimately delegate you know, a lot of the work that we do. But we realized that it actually became the sort of practical hands-on how to treat customers as members because we have a roadmap now to show them. So it impacts this, this customer success track actually seems like a marketing tool, but it really impacts our sales messaging. It impacts our training, our hiring. It's really our overarching strategy for our business. And it is a tremendous client retention tool. It is probably a tremendous client conversion tool as well, because everybody else is selling the thing they need today. Here's the band-aid to fix the problem. And what we're selling is, no, here's how we're going to take you from where you are to where we believe the possibility of you going. And that's a very, very compelling message. Now, this book and the resources that come along with the book, map out these stages. You can have them I'm going to give you all the milestones, everything in the resources. So you'll have these for marketing. But my real goal in bringing this idea to the world is I think any business, regardless of industry, can take this approach in terms of looking at and treating their customers in a much different way. Mm, I love that. And there was so much that you just (laughs) shared right there to really unpack. But what I'm seeing is a real shift right here from this world where there's the marketing tactics, even the marketing strategy, what you're doing is going much deeper than the marketing strategy, but looking at the strategy of the entire business, but it's founded not on really what you want, but on what your customers want. Yeah, that's the shift that I think. And there are businesses out there that have just always done that, I think. But I think that this is a sort of global shift that maybe is made possible. I don't ever want to imply that. There's a huge positive to what we've gone through the last 19, 18 months. But in some ways, if there is a positive, I think it's actually made, you know, these words we've been using, authenticity and things like that, you know, (laughs) we've been using in marketing for so long that people have kind of chuckle at now. It's actually kind of made them real again. I think people now don't just want to do it as marketing makeup. It is definitely now seen as this is something we really want to be. We want to change. And people now expect this. I think. There's never been a better time, I think, 
for a business to innovate and to try new things. I mean, nobody knows how to do anything right now. <laughs> you know, go for it. Create a customer journey that just blows people away. Why not? One of the things that I wanted to point out is you were talking about keeping customers for life. And I know that in your network, within your duct tape marketing consultant network, you know, we've worked with a number of your clients. So we just had three in one cohort just joined this last month. It was insane to have so many in ones. I, I don't know what was in the water that month, but one of the things that I've consistently heard from them firsthand is what an amazing community that you're creating that and you have all these different reasons why they're going to want to stay long-term and really have created this raving like family, this tribe of customers that sing your praises. Well, that's always encouraging to hear, of course. The good thing about most of the stuff I write that shows up in books, it's because we're doing it. <laughs> you know, that's how I learned to write it. I had to do a research paper on this and decide that this would be a good idea. I basically just try stuff and then go, well, this seemed to work. Let's write about it. So I'm glad to hear yeah. that, that that's how it's being received as well. Well, and that's why I wanted to share that because I wanted listeners to realize that like, hey, this John guy actually knows what he's doing. I've seen firsthand that works and I've met dozens of your consultants and I've really seen the, the kind of impact that they're making. And I don't have very many, as you know, John, I have very few guests on the podcast and pretty choosy and selective about who we have. And the reason I had you on the podcast, because your books are great. And I really wanted our audience to have the opportunity to hear more about it, hear your take on how we're morphing and really evolving in the industry of marketing and sales and to ultimately buy your book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine. So I would encourage anyone listening to go out buy John's book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine. What is the best way for them to get that book? Sure. So there's a companion site for the book. It's theultimatemarketingengine.com. And if you go there, you can get some free chapters. Uh, there's a companion course that you can actually get, as well as obviously all the links to buy the book. And one of the things I will say that when you do get the book, because we do this all the time and we work with clients in this, pretty much every chapter and every action step that I ask you to do is going to have an associated resource that you'll have access to a special part of the website. Once you get the book, you'll get a URL in that book and you'll have access to all the worksheets and checklists and things that we've created to help support you in doing the things in this book. I talk about strategy all the time, but in the end, I really want you to execute on that strategy. And so I'm trying to equip you with as many tools as possible to do that. Wow. That sounds excellent. What a valuable addition to your book. And what it sounds to me is it's not just a book, but it's a whole implementation system to be able to <laughs> consistently be having as much business as you want. Yeah. I kiddingly say that it's a strategy book with a workshop tucked inside of it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Well, very excited. When is it coming out? September 21st of 2021, depending upon when you're listening to this, it will be available. And there is an audio version, of course, and uh, the ebook readers, uh, Kindles, that kind of thing, as well as uh, paperback. Okay. Well, wonderful. John, is there any other last bits that you want to add before we end? I gave the site, uh, the Ultimate Marketing Engine, but if you want to just check out what I've been doing for the last couple of decades, uh, you can find that at ducttapemarketing.com, which is D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. And I've got obviously my blog podcast things there as well as you can find out about our consultant network that we've talked about a couple of times too. Wonderful. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. 
Well, I love it. Thanks, Mandy.